Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. Yuan's going to start us off with an update on a class deviation from DOD. Thanks, Peter. So we start with the DOD class deviation that follows ongoing challenges with the System for Award Management, or SAM. On September 8th, the DOD issued a class deviation that immediately authorizes contracting officers to allow active registration in SAM within 30 days of contract or award, or three days prior to submission of a first invoice, whichever comes first, rather than at the time of award provided that the contractor can prove it has started or attempted to start the SAM registration process. Now, the deviation is in effect through October 31st, unless rescinded or extended. And though contracting officers are not required to use the deviation, they're encouraged to do so on a case-by-case basis, depending on the acquisition strategy and internal contracting processes. Now, contractors will be required to provide certain information if the deviation is used, including a copy of the Federal Service Desk SAM incident ticket as proof of the contractor's initiation or attempt to start that registration process, responses for the FAR and DFARS provisions that would normally be captured in the annual reps and cert section of the SAM registration, and notice to the contracting officer as soon as the contractor's SAM registration is actually complete. Back to you, Peter. Great. Thanks, Yuan. So now we turn to two inflation-related updates. First, on September 12th, GSA published a supplement to a prior acquisition letter. That prior acquisition letter extended and enhanced policies to provide inflation relief to GSA schedule contractors. That letter was issued in March of 2022 and relaxed certain limitations on GSA schedule contractors' ability to obtain economic price adjustments by suspending the limits on the frequency, size, and total number of EPAs a contractor could obtain during each contract term. It also lowered the approval threshold required for GSA to issue an EPA. That relief provided by the original acquisition was set to expire of September 30th of this year, but now extended through at least March 31st of 2023. Furthermore, to streamline and expedite the issuance of EPAs, contracting officers will be authorized to directly issue EPAs without needing to obtain additional approvals for as long as the supplement remains in effect. The supplement, nevertheless, reminds contracting officers that EPAs must otherwise be consistent with the terms of the underlying contract. So here's the second update. On September 9th, DOD issued a memo providing guidance to contracting officers on a range of approaches to address the impact of inflation on the defense industrial base. There have been a number of memos here, and this September 9th memo highlights two paths that contractors can pursue. First, and this is largely consistent with the prior memo, DOD notes that the ability to recognize cost increases is largely dependent on contract type. Noting, and here's a quote, contractors performing under firm fixed price contracts that were priced and negotiated before the onset of the current economic conditions generally bear the risk of cost increases, close quote. So that's similar to prior guidance. But here, the new memo provides that, and here's another quote, 
there may be circumstances where an accommodation such as schedule relief or amended contract requirements can be reached by mutual agreement of the contracting parties, perhaps to address acute impacts on small business and other suppliers, close quote. The memo also states that DOD will consider contractor requests for extraordinary contractual relief, including potential upward price adjustments under firm fixed price contracts under public law 85804. That public law uh, is implemented in FAR Part 50. The government's authority under 85804 is broad, but certainly has some important limitations, including uh, that authority may not be relied upon where other adequate legal authorities exist for relief. The funding must not exceed appropriated amounts. Uh, any amendment can only be to the extent necessary to avoid impairment to the contractor's productive ability, and the contractor must suffer a loss. This is um, really sort of a new place that contractors are looking at, um, obviously waiting to see a little bit more uh, what happens with uh, the congressional appropriations that are currently underway. Um, and I'm sure the DOD will have more to say on this topic, but definitely uh, an interesting development. Now back to you, Juan, for a FOIA update. Thanks, Peter. On August 5th, the Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit held that a submitter of information purportedly subject to Exemption 4 of the Freedom of Information Act, or FOIA, must demonstrate competitive harm, though not substantial harm, resulting from disclosure in order to invoke the exemption. Now, this standard was an open question as the Supreme Court's 2019 decision in Food Marketing Institute versus Argus Leader didn't address the impact on the 2016 FOIA Improvement Act on FOIA Exemption 4. Now, Argus Leader clarified the applicability of Exemption 4, which protects from disclosure trade secrets and commercial or financial information obtained from a person that's privileged or confidential. Now, the Argus Court rejected the longstanding National Parks Test, which applied Exemption 4 only when the submitter of such information could demonstrate substantial competitive harm resulting from its disclosure. And instead, the Argus Court held that Exemption 4 applied at the very least where the submitter of such information kept it confidential and submitted it to the government with an assurance of privacy. But given the inherent difficulties in establishing substantial competitive harm, Argus was welcome news for contractors seeking exemption for protection. But in 2016, Congress then enacted the FOIA Improvement Act in response to concerns that FOIA's exemptions were being overused. The act amended FOIA to allow for an exemptions invocation only if the agency reasonably foresees that disclosure would harm an interest protected by an exemption or if disclosure is prohibited by law. So since Argus, multiple plaintiffs have argued that the FOIA Improvement Act effectively codified the National Parks Test. So on August 5th, the Second Circuit held that the interests protected by Exemption 4 are the submitter's commercial or financial interests in information that is of a type held in confidence and not disclosed to any member of the public by the person to whom it belongs. Accordingly, to invoke Exemption 4, the court instructed that an agency must meet the foreseeable harm requirement of the FIA by showing foreseeable commercial or financial harm to the submitter upon release of the contested information. 
And in doing so, the court rejected the government's argument that the confidentiality of the information alone, absent consideration of actual commercial or financial harm from its disclosure, was the interest to be protected. So another interesting decision in the line of exemption for developments and interpretations. Peter? Great. Thanks so much, Yuan. And we will close this edition out. This has been the Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll and Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions about these items, I can be reached at 202-624-2807. Anyone can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thank you so much for joining us. The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll and Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.